Thank you for downloading Pride, Scotland's March for Equality with PinkSaltire.com. Now, Mickey, Pink Saltire are lifting the voices of LGBT people from cities to the islands. Whoever you are, they are your community champion. Even if you're a fifer like me, and uh, you can find out more about the charity by heading to the dedicated web hub at pinksaltire.com. Pride. Scotland's March for Equality. So on the last podcast, Mickey, uh, we talked about our personal lives. We talked about you having a husband and me having a boyfriend. And actually, maybe a lot of people didn't know that about us. Well, I think we both hide it well. Yes, I'm not camp even slightly. I mean, uh, one glass of wine and my wrist just starts to <laughs> flap all over the place. Two glasses and you're anybody's. That is so true. So how was coming out for you? Did you accept yourself right away? Was being gay something you didn't want to be? I, I think I was in denial for a good few years because I, I knew I wasn't normal. I mean, I say normal because I, I went to a high school where the majority of everybody there was straight and that was the normal. And I knew I wasn't normal, but I didn't know what I was, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so did you did you kind of accept it? Would you want to know? Um, a fair bit of experimenting in high school uh, helped me discover <sighs> what I had. No, no, we didn't need to know that. <laughs> but it helped me along the way. And then by about fourth, fifth year, I was like, okay, I am gay. <laughs> My experiment in high school was only in a science class, I'll be honest with you. And not like that either before you start. It involved a Bunsen burner. I was going to say, I think mine was in a home ec class, but only... <laughs> Well, what about you? Because you're a wee bit older than me, so... <laughs> well, I'm just putting out of there. Cruel. So, when you came out, did you get any backlash? Uh, do you know what? I don't, I don't even think... I mean, I didn't come out at school. Um, although, uh, my best friend at school was aware of the situation, shall we say. But no, I didn't come out at school, so I didn't really get any backlash. And it was weird, because I know that, that back then, and it was a few years before you, but it wasn't even spoken about. So it, it wasn't spoken about in a good way or a bad way. It's just it's like it didn't exist. I always remember this girl at school telling me I was gay before I knew I was gay. I was like, I'm, I'm not gay, what do you mean? And she went, oh, in, in two years' time, you're going to come back to me and say, yeah, I'm gay. She told me I was before I knew I was. <laughs> she made you gay. No, that was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of uh, accepting it, I think um, it was just something that I, I just accepted. I, I kept it quiet for a while, but um, I always kind of knew. And I, I don't know whether it's uh, maybe you're, you're looking at celebrities and you're, you're seeing uh, people in the media uh, who are gay and who are out. And that makes you think, well, I'm not the only one here. And, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things you kind of, it, it goes through your mind for a few years. You think, am I the only person? Am I the only gay in the village? Um, all that stuff. But uh, eventually, you know, once you've, you've come to terms with it in your own head, uh, then it's uh, a lot easier to, to let other people know about it. Do you not know, think the media have helped that as well? Because I remember years ago that gay characters on TV and people who were out the gate were always stereotypical camp gays. And that wasn't, I know that I am a bit camp when I've had a drink, but that really wasn't me. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it wasn't me. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it's always a difficult time, right? I mean, I know that we're, we're kind of joking about it, but for me, it was a few years ago. For you, it was a couple of years ago. Um, but for a lot of people who, who might be coming out right now, it's it's just, it's one of these things. It's kind of, it feels like a, a bigger issue than it usually is. Yeah, I think that's that's where I would say it. It's massive at the time and nothing's bigger than it because cause it is quite early, so it is a big issue. But a couple of months down the line, a couple of years down the line, you're going to realise that it's not a big issue and you almost set yourself free. There's, you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's a bit like exam results. You eventually get yeah. over it. Yeah, and it's the big thing at the time. You're worried about it at the time, but once it's done, it's done, it's out there. The fact is, Mickey, that a lot of people do struggle with coming out and I thought we'd maybe talk about mental health uh, within the LGBT community. 
Yeah, well, the stats from Stonewall Scotland's 2018 to 2019 report, and they said that half of LGBT people, that's uh, 49%, just under half, had experienced depression in the year running up to the survey. And 52% of trans people had unfortunately thought of taking their own lives. I mean, it, these stats aren't good. Um, when you look at the stats for uh, for the whole of the UK, 41% of non-binary people said they harmed themselves in the last year compared to 20% of LGBT women and 12% of uh, GBT men. And I think those stats alone actually show why we need pride marches and parties and we need encouragement to celebrate who we are. And I think that's it. I think when you, you realise that there is a, a big community out there um, and that you're not alone with this, I, I think it can uh, you can help each other. Uh, through this a little bit more. And that's actually one of my favourite bits about Pride. It's where you see people who wouldn't normally go to a gay bar. They maybe wouldn't normally socialise with even other gay or LGBT people. But because Pride's there, they've, they've got the courage, they went to Pride, and they've found that there's other people like them. And it is a tough one. I mean, I know uh, me personally, I hate being on my own. Absolutely detest it. And, you know, I can remember back to, um, to New Year's and, and things like that where... Um, you know, you've maybe just broken up with somebody and you're not really kind of feeling like going out in the gay scene particularly. All your friends or your straight friends maybe have girlfriends. And it is, it's a, it's a tough time, you know. And I think um, surrounding yourself by, by people that are either in the same boat or that they understand you, that have got a degree of empathy with you can, can definitely help. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Pride, Scotland's March for Equality. If you're listening to this podcast and thinking, why do we need pride? Here is, and I don't want to say a great example of why we need pride because it's a horrible example. Uh, here's a story from my friend Kelly about something that happened to her when she was out with her girlfriend. I was 19 and we were in the Savoy. We had a brilliant night and it was a massive deal for me because I had never been out as out. So I was so proud like of both of us and myself for just being so comfortable and no hiding something that shouldn't have been hidden anyway. So anyway, we were out, we had a cracking night and it was a group of people kind of standing eating kebabs, as they do, um, and this guy kind of walked directly in front of me. So I was kind of like trying to get past him and I said, excuse me, a couple of times. But he seemed really drunk, so I was like, I'm not really in the mood for any confrontation. So I just kind of swayed to the side and he like on purpose banged right into me and I kind of looked at him and I was like I did say excuse me and he had a wee bit of an audience which I didn't like so I was just kind of like right you know leave it at that just walk away people are drunk don't want the wrong thing to get said and the guy shouted something and I never heard what he said so I kind of turned around and he says I am I'm talking to you can't stand people like you and he went I you fat dykes like you I mean I'm no wee skinny things so I don't mind the first comment but to me, like, the word dyke, I don't, I wouldn't say I find it offensive, but when somebody says it like that, it's just, it was literally like venom, it was horrible. And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, well, there's not really any need in that. And we had a wee bit of a minor argument and it was fine, so I'd crossed the road. And then I noticed this guy literally staring right through me, looked me up and down and the look that he gave me, I will never forget. And then he kind of looked to his left and his right and then these two guys for either side of him kind of followed and then literally within about five, ten minutes, these three guys were all just shouting abuse at me. And then within about five minutes, I just remember kind of being a bit dizzy and opening my eyes and they were literally kicking into the side of my face, kicking, punching, everything. And not that long after that, I actually found out that, um, that I wasn't the only person that that happened to. And I remember that night I thought to myself, I'm no longer going to hide to him. 
And I think that people that do stuff like that would have expected me to go back in, you know, hide away to the back of the wardrobe and never to come out again. But I was just like, no, that that's not me. So, Mickey, have you ever had any online bullying or any abuse? Touch wood until this point, no. But just, just get my phone with, out right now. Well, after working <laughs> with you, anything can happen, Grant, to be honest with you. And you're no stranger to a bit of controversy online yourself. Oh, well, that is very true. It's not only stuff I've posted, to be fair, but um, I think I've only had a couple and nothing really too bad or nothing I would say has been too bad. I did remember once having a text to the radio station uh, by someone who, I, I don't know where they'd, where they'd found this from, maybe they just looked outside and saw me, uh, but they just decided to text me about 15 or 20 times and go, you're gay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a statement of fact, Grant, you know? I, I did once, actually, uh, a picture of me and my mate. Now, I was kissing him on the cheek and mm-hmm. I had a really good pose. And you know when you find a really good picture of yourself? I'm not vain at all, but this picture right, I looked cracking in so I thought, this, this is... <laughs> I'm not vain at all but this picture I looked cracking in and I thought no this is going to make a good Facebook profile picture so it was just me kissing him on the cheek uh, with a wee camp pose and I thought no that's going to look good so I stuck it up and do you know there was a lot of hate for that and some people actually told me to take it down um, yeah I mean this this was quite a famous picture um, was it? Cause I'd he- yeah I'd heard about it I think you were topless in it weren't you? No <laughs> I think you were Oh that's a different picture I've got it laminated No that's a different picture uh, Do you know what picture that is That's when I went to Gran Canaria Pride And I uh, thought it would be a good idea To wear dungarees And there was a bit of A, a bit of a nip slip in it uh, But that's the picture When I was topless I think I might have also Been kissing a guy In that picture as well To be fair There's a bit of side boob as well <laughs> <I'm just laughs> I've been on holiday for a week It was holiday week There was no tan lines That's all I'm saying No but in all seriousness So I, I didn't take that to heart But I can see mm. why Some people would take that to heart I mean people messaging you to tell you to take a picture down of you having fun would you do that to someone like is that acceptable no of course it's, it's not. not it's not and I, I think you know your facebook is your facebook grant and i'll stand by your right to put a picture of you with your nipples out on your facebook anytime you like i've got nipples like sky dishes you could pick up like taxis with my anyway so maybe i should keep them hidden <laughs> if you turn the left one you can hear your show yes it's not just uh, gay people obviously who can be victimized Trans people face a lot of abuse and uh, I caught up with Kim Petras earlier. Now, Kim Petras is a singer-songwriter and just over 10 years ago, she became one of the youngest ever people to have gender reassignment surgery when she was only 16. Now, she was assigned male at birth but knew she was a girl from the age of two. And, uh, Mickey, this was really embarrassing, so I spot- spoke to her on Zoom mm-hmm. and uh, I was in my spare bedroom with the washing hanging up in the background. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And she was in her massive mansion in LA. <laughs> I didn't realise we were going on camera and uh, she, she popped up and she's in this like nice big room with all these gold discs and my pants are drying behind me to be fair at least you washed them that is it, true it does make a change it must have been the last day of the month was it was it payday it was so I, can, <laughs> I can afford soap powder now here she is talking about the issues that she faced being a trans woman in the music industry in the beginning, you know, it was really just just about my music and I was just in my bedroom writing demos and, you know, people I would write with wouldn't really even know that I'm transgender. So kind of until I started taking meetings with people who were like, yeah, this, I don't know if this can work, I don't know if this can be mainstream because you're transgender. That's when it kind of started affecting me. I, I don't think it was ever anything with like, producers or creative people or songwriters they were always really cool about it and always really great about it like the people who actually make the music have always been amazing we're like that's so cool like pop off amazing let's make some sick songs you know but yeah i just think in the like actual music industry when it when it came to like meetings with like old guys in suits who control (laughs) everything they were definitely like just um didn't get it and and we're like yeah i don't know if this can work and 
for me, it's been more, I think, building my own platform on social media and stuff like that because of that, because people were like, I don't know if, if you can do this. So I was like, I'm going to show you that I can. I'm going to show you that people will listen to me. And uh, so I went independent. I didn't go with a major label. And uh, yeah, kind of built it step by step. But other than that, um, it's, it's been really great. Like with my fans, it's been really inspiring. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm happy whenever I can inspire anybody and uh, fight for people to be taken seriously as artists and, you know, not just be gay or be transgender and not be labeled in any of those ways. Your fans are all right behind you. Do you get messages about people who, who maybe are going through some struggles and they see what you went through and went, you know what, you're, you're my hero. You, I am looking up to you. All the time. And, you know, it's, I stay constantly just inspired by the trans community. And, you know, it inspires me when people uh, either come out to me or say I've helped them come out to their family or I, I've helped them finally take it seriously and do something about it or anything like that. Like I feel, I feel very inspired back by that. So yeah, it happens all the time and I'm, and I'm very grateful and I, and I try to respond to any of that that I get because I, I just think it's important and it's something where I really want to help. So I'm, I'm doing whatever where I, where I can help people you know, accept themselves and be proud of themselves. Like that's something that makes me happy and makes me like emotional and makes me cry sometimes. And yeah, it's just really important. A lot of light is being shone on the trans community right now. And a lot of that is to do with some of the controversial statements that JK Rowling has been making. And I think a lot of this stems from what is and what isn't legal at the moment. There's a bit of confusion with the likes of which toilets trans people can use and uh, various other issues. So here's MP Patrick Harvey to tell us a little bit more about where the law stands right now. So the Gender Recognition Act has been in place for just over 15 years in the UK as a result of a human rights challenge. It was shown that the lack of, of legal gender recognition uh, did cause a breach of trans people's human rights and it was illegal so that's why the the law was brought in but even before that way before any kind of legal recognition trans people existed trans people lived their lives uh, trans people were who they were trans people uh, had jobs had families lived in houses uh, and yes shock horror occasionally they played sports or went for a pee in a public toilet uh, you know they're human beings they have all the other challenges and issues in their lives as everybody else now, you know, a great many aspects of our lives have always been uh, uh, on the, the basis of, of self-declaration. There has never been uh, a papers please uh, uh, approach to, to public toilets uh, of show your birth certificate or you don't get in. Uh, and where you have that kind of, um, kind of bathroom panic, uh, the, the kind of stuff that started in the US, uh, it's very often cisgender people, people who are not trans, but who don't fit a gender stereotype, they're often uh, most in the firing line for being told, get out of here, you don't belong. So, you know, there's that, there's that issue about how society is generally. But the, the law at the moment has, it does have this gender recognition system, but it's a really bureaucratic, time-consuming, actually expensive, uh, and according to many trans people, pretty stressful and humiliating process to have to go through. Uh, they can change a lot of their documents, like their driving license and their passport and so on, to fit their lived identity already without going through that process. But they can't change their birth certificate. And there are uh, a few other kind of consequences of not being able to do that. So the proposal to change it is to fit the, the birth certificate process just in line with the way everything else uh, operates in society already. Uh, it's got nothing to do with 
who plays what sport in what team. It's got nothing to do with uh, who's allowed to, to do what job. And it's got nothing to do with uh, who goes for a pee in, in which public toilet. I think the fact that so little people seem to know that trans people can already use the toilets in changing rooms of the uh, gender they identify as shows how little impact that's actually had on any cisgendered people. I'll be honest with you. The last thing I'm doing when I go into the toilets, Grant, is checking out everybody else. You yeah, might I'm, be different, of course. Well, no, I'm getting to normally fix my hair uh, <laughs> and make sure I look okay. Yeah, I've always got other things on my mind when I'm sitting down on the pan, but that's and another that's, story. That's, that's enough from that. We should move That'll on. That'll be in podcast three. So earlier we heard from Kim Petrus. Now, she's doing an amazing job at the moment to shine the light on the trans community. And people like her should be and are being celebrated more in society. Do you think, uh, Mickey, that'll help more trans people be accepted into society? Absolutely. And it's the same when you think back to, to some of the gay singers in the past or even the, the singers in the past who, who weren't gay but became massive role models and, and helped the, uh, the gay community. I know when I, when I was younger, um, Grant, I had this big, massive Madonna poster in my bedroom. I'm pretty sure my mum and dad thought I fancied her. I didn't. If only just... they knew you fancied her songs. <laughs> I fancied her songs and she always had like really good looking boys dancing in the video with her as well. You know, that was always a, a help. Well, I remember actually when, when Will Young came out. You know, on the uh, pop idol. I was going to say yeah. X-Files, but it was pop idol, wasn't it? Uh, that helped me a little bit. As well. I was like, oh, well, Jansky. Yeah, but you were hoping it was Gareth, though, eh? Uh, well, we, <laughs> we all had our favourites, and we all know who we were voting for. Uh, now, keeping that in mind, here's another bit from my chat with Colin Bell, who we heard from in the first episode. Now, he's a music producer. He, uh, he used to work with London Records, and he tells us how far the music industry has come in the last 50 years or so. Uh, I started off managing, uh, I think, the first the gay artist in the UK, uh, um, Tom Robinson. And we put together Tom Robinson Band, had a number of hits with um, 2468 Motorway, perhaps most notably with uh, Glad to be Gay, which interestingly enough, when we released as a single, we had to promote the B-side, which was Don't Take No for an Answer, on top of the pops, because they didn't want Glad to be Gay on top of the pops. So they they just wouldn't allow it on? They said you can only come on and you can only sing the B-side? That's right. <laughs> wow. And the same for the most part on radio. So did any radio stations touch it? Oh, yes. Radio stations, well, they played, the, they played the other track, which is Don't Take No For Answer, which is a great song, by the way. Um, not to put it down in any way whatsoever, but they wouldn't play Glad To Be Gay. So do you think um, now uh, times have changed? Because I think radio stations would, would be all over that now. It, it's remarkable how much they've changed in 30 years. And now we have a slew of brilliant openly gay rock stars and I think it's absolutely fantastic. They are, if you like, the heirs of Tom Robinson. And later on um, in the 80s, uh, Bronsky Beat and the Communards, who were the first openly popular group uh, who were openly gay and politically gay. Um, I, I worked with them and I worked on their very first thing, Small Time Boy, uh, which went to number three in the charts. Number one was Frankie Goes to Hollywood and number two was George Michael, maybe vice versa. And we were number three. We were thrilled because it's a song of a lonely, isolated gay guy being beaten up in his hometown and going to find the rest of the gay community in the big city. And that's how it was. And it, it touched, I think, the hearts of many, many, many young gay people who hadn't yet come to terms with their sexuality and how they were going to exist. Do you think that song helped them to come out? No question about it. It helped them to come out. And it helped their parents to 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 see it, we were on national television. We were number three in the charts. I think it was an extraordinary achievement. Um, and when I look back on all the other records that I worked on, that record stands out. Now, th- when, when you say you were, you, you were on mainstream television, 
was there a feeling so a lot of parents were so scared of having gay kids do you think this possibly helped change the mindset of the parents there as well I think the thing that changed the mindset of the parents was the kids themselves every parent in the country who had a gay child suddenly had to face what that really meant and I think that spread like wildfire through the generations and it allowed gay people to you know you had two generations here having to come to terms with it and i think it was just tremendous it spread like wildfire and it it's probably the the single reason why the gay community has advanced so much in such a short period of time scotland's march for equality you're listening to pride scotland's march for equality with pinksaltire.com now, Pink Saltire are empowering those most marginalised, offering a space to be heard and leading change in their communities. And you can find out more about the charity and the inspiring work they do. Honestly, they are amazing. Head to pinksaltire.com. Pride. Scotland's March for Equality. Right, let's move on to uh, some of the strangest questions you've been asked. Uh, questions you shouldn't ask LGBT people, but you probably have, or uh, you've probably been asked these questions yourself. People don't mean any harm by it, right? It's that, but these are questions that you're bound to have been asked at some point. Okay, uh, one here is, uh, which one's the women? <laughs> what? Which one? Which one's the women? I've been asked that one. Um, which one's the women? And my answer to that one was like, well, actually, we're both blokes. But if you don't know what gay means, then that's the whole point. So here's one you normally get when you're when you're on a night out. And uh, I can actually picture the person that would come across and ask me this. And the answer is always no. Uh, can you be my gay best friend? <laughs> yeah, you get that one quite a lot. Or uh, what, what about the other things? Well, how do you know that you don't like women if you haven't tried? Yeah, which my answer is, well, how do you know you don't like men then? Unless you have. Um, you're not going to try it on with me, are you? Oh, do you know what? This is a, this is a weird one because there's a lot of people, and, and I'm not going to mention names, but there's people actually who we work with uh, who seem to think that. They seem to think that, oh, well, um, you know, would, would you? Would you? If, if I was, would you? And then you're like, nah. Yes. Well, why not? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There's one person I've got in mind in particular with a couple of drinks says that all too often for my liking. I think maybe <laughs> you would like us to try it on with a better <laughs> Do you know what I get asked, and I've been asked this too many times, and actually I, I said to producer Cat before we went to record this, I normally get asked, does it hurt? <laughs> and I normally respond with, well, of course it does if you don't do it, right? <laughs> it only hurts the first time. My answer to that is I can't remember. I've been married two years. Wow. <laughs> and uh, then there's the, the classic, you don't look gay. Yeah, I don't know if that's... Is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, what are you expecting? Larry Grayson to walk through the door? Or for our younger listeners, uh, Alan Carr? And obviously that's the questions we've had, but trans people get these questions all the time as well. Just the ridiculous questions to get asked. Um, so asking trans people if they've had surgery. Hmm, nah, don't go there. Or uh, the other one, asking trans people how they have sex. Yeah, do you know what? I've been asked that as well, actually. What's the answer? <laughs> I'll draw you a diagram. <laughs> Oh, the other one is, well, asking trans people their real name. That's their name before transitioning. Don't do that. And there's a lot of biphobia around as well. And even from the LGBT community, I've heard people mm. asking bi people if they're really just gay. I've got a, I've got a gay friend who is convinced, convinced that, uh, that bisexuals don't actually exist. <laughs> don't exist. It's made up. No, no, no. It's a, no, no, don't exist. Like, no, that's fine. But My no. 
I can vouch this. My old flatmate was bisexual. And let me tell you, bisexuals really do exist because his bedroom is like a revolving door. <laughs> oh, dear. One of the most interesting questions I ever got asked uh, was, uh, I, I was kind of, I was on holiday in Blackpool. Don't judge me. I was on holiday in Blackpool, right? And I was probably about 18, 19 at the time. And uh, we walked into this bar and there was a drag queen on, as there normally is in every bar that you go into in Blackpool. And the drag queen was on and um, I happened to walk in on my own at that point. The drag queen stopped and looked and went, oh, oh, chicken. Right, because obviously I was young and probably better looking in those days. Anyway, uh, and then it was like, oh, are you a postman or a postbox? And I was like, postman or postbox? Postman or post-? And then, then suddenly it started to dawn on me what she was asking, at which point all these old blokes are all starting chuckling away to themselves and staring at me. And then the drag queen then goes, oh, and second thoughts, it's a sorting office. <laughs> like, a sorting office? How rude. I don't know, you ever worked for Royal Mail? <laughs> Postman Pat, they call me. Pride, Scotland's March for Equality. So we, we talked a little bit there about the, uh, about the gay scene. Um, Grant, where did you start to meet more gay people? So it was actually the case, you know, I came out at just a time where Bebo and Facebook were just starting to emerge. So social media helped it a wee bit. But it was still in the, the early days you went out to the gay scene. And that's really the first time I met anybody from the community. Back in my day, you had to write to people. No, you didn't. <laughs> but I do remember, actually, um, there was a, a few of us. We were probably about 19, 18 or 19. And uh, we all lived in Fife, but we all knew each other. We all kind of were mutual friends of mutual friends. So there was maybe about five or six of us. And uh, we would take it in turns driving uh, from Fife. And we'd drive across the bridge. We'd go into Edinburgh. And there's this bar called The Laughing Duck, uh, which is sadly no longer there. And that was the first time that I kind of walked in. Because you, you had that kind of nervousness, that trepidation about the first time you were ever going out in the gay because the only thing you knew about it was you'd heard these stories. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? These stories. Um, but it wasn't like that at all. We walked in and it was just full of people like us. And I was just like, yeah, this is great. And that was it. Never away for the place uh, for many years. So yeah, that, that's kind of, you do get introduced to people on, on the gay scene, but not exclusively. No, and I think actually you're right there about you driving from Fife to Edinburgh because it was a big city thing. I was from Stirling and we had to go into Glasgow because there wasn't really a community in Stirling. Even though there's a uni there, there just wasn't really. Mm. And uh, you'd go into Glasgow. I remember the first time I went into a bar called Delmonica's, which is still there. And I was really, really nervous. But I remember going in and, wow, this is amazing. This is a pub full of people like me. We did go around to a club called Bennett's. Oh, yes. And I remember you had to knock on the door to get in. So the wee, wee kind of slider went, uh, the bouncer opened, looked at me and went, how much have you had to drink? Not, <laughs> can I, this club's closed now, so I can say this. Uh, not, do you have any ID? How much you had to drink? I went, uh, uh, not enough. And he just went, get upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first and last time anybody's ever said that to you. Yes, it is. <laughs> What about um, because obviously we've, we've we're moving with the times, right? And a lot of the uh, a lot of the traditional gay scene has has closed down. As not just the gay scene, but you know bars and clubs in general are kind of fewer and further between than they used to be. But the uh, the online side of things is is huge now. Um, have you ever been on any of these? Uh, I'm thinking Grinder or, or Tinder. I or- can only imagine what my life would be like if I had Grinder at sixteen, eighteen, <laughs> eighteen, eighteen. <laughs> no, um, you kind yeah have been. Um, I, I think it's Grindr's not really for meeting new friends. Right, okay. Well, it is, but friends that maybe only last an hour, two an hour and a half. <laughs> or a couple of minutes. <laughs> or a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, so I, I have had Grindr at some points, but I mean, I think that's there for a purpose. But then that purpose has always been there because before Grindr, there was cruising. 
Mm. And that's not the programme Cruising with Jane McDonald. That's It's a different kind of cruising. <laughs> Although that's fabulous too. That is um, really good. And probably a little bit safer. I think that that's the other thing. I mean, you've got to always remember about safety, with uh, even with using these apps or, or any of that kind of stuff. You just have to be careful uh, who you're meeting up with and where you're meeting up with them. I think that's crucial. Yeah, and always make sure someone knows where you are. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've never used the uh, the online apps or, or any of that stuff, but um, do, do you think you could actually meet your, your future husband or, or, or boyfriend through that, do you think? I know people that have, actually. One of my really good mates uh, who have they met in the year 2000, and they're still together. They met on an app called Gaydar. It wasn't even an app then. It was a website called Gaydar. Mickey, you'll remember it. I do remember Gaydar. And, uh, well, they met there. And what are we at? 20 years later, they're still they're together. They've got a house together. They've lived together for the last 18 years. Or you could do it the boring way. I, I, I met mine at work. You didn't work in the same place, did you? We did, yeah. Um, he, he he was uh, reading the news. Um, it was it was an interesting one because I, I was working at a radio station that I, I won't mention, but it doesn't exist anymore anyway. But I, I was working there and um, we had a change of, of newsreader. I had the same newsreader for about a year. And then suddenly there was a bit of reshuffling going on and uh, they brought in this new newsreader um, who'd come from uh, from another radio station down south. And uh, he came in on day one and uh, we were seeing each other on day two. It was it was fast work for me. Wow. Did you wait until he finished his news building to get his number? <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a lot of youth clubs. There's a lot of youth clubs uh, and stuff. Now, I know that LGBT youth are a big thing. And actually, they were a big thing um, when I first came out on the scene, but they weren't called that. It was the LGB Society uh, back then. And uh, they had a tiny wee place with a cafe and a bar uh, around from the Scenic Centre in Glasgow. A wee dingy wee place. But, I mean, again, it was one of those places where you could go during the day. So if you weren't out for drinking, if you weren't quite 18, you could go in and there were loads of events on. And then at night, they turned a cafe into a karaoke bar. But I think that's important because a lot of a lot of young gay people will be struggling um, to to meet other people who are gay. They might not have told their friends at school or uh, in their job or whatever. And it's a, a good kind of place to to meet people and just share your experiences. Yeah, and it's good to find out that there are other people like you and people gay people live in every walk of life. And if you go to Mykonos or Sitges, they're everywhere. Have you been to Gran Canaria? I have, but like years and years and years ago, like I was probably about 20 at the time, and um, went there with uh, with the guy I was seeing at the time. That's a mistake. Do you know what I like, Mickey, is when I go somewhere, finding the gay scene somewhere new. Now, this is interesting because you and I are, are total opposites when it comes to this. Because I, wherever I go on a holiday, I don't think we ever go near the gay scene. You might occasionally, right? And, and usually it would be once we've been all around all the bars, whatever else, and then it gets to like four or five in the morning and the only places open usually are the gay bars. At that point, we'll go into them if we want another drink. But we, we generally don't kind of flock to, to, to the gay scene on holiday, which is really strange because you, you're the opposite. Well, yeah, and I use this website called Travel Gay Europe. We plug for them there. And whenever I go to a city, I find out where all the gay bars are because I have a thing where I, I like to go to a gay bar in every country I've ever been to. And uh, a wee top tip, um, if you're going to a gay bar in a new country, you always get the cheapest alcohol there and they're always open latest. <laughs> That's like the opposite from this country where normally <laughs> it's more expensive. And uh, I was going to this website, find out where they are, and you go and you find... And I, I, the one thing I find about the whole world, actually, is the gay community are just so accepting. You could be sitting in a bar in Hamburg or in Bangkok, and someone will always come and talk to you. Does they happen in Edinburgh? <laughs> some parts of the UK, some big cities in the UK, you could be sitting in a bar that's packed and not one person will come near you. That's very true, especially if I'm there. It's weird. It's, it's that whole striking up a conversation. 
Do you know what I mean? It's a difficult one, but yeah, you're right. When you're on holiday, it seems to be, it seems to come easier. And the Scottish accent always works. I don't know what it is about the Scottish accent. The minute someone finds out you're Scottish, they're like, oh, right over. Which is normally why I'm standing in bars shouting, I'm Scottish, I've got a Scottish accent. <laughs> he goes in in his kilt. <laughs> and actually, I've been to a few prides in other countries as well. Now, you see, I haven't, but I've, I've seen uh, online some of the, the huge... I think Gran Canaria, you mentioned earlier on, they've got massive pride, haven't they? Yeah, I'm sure it's 100,000 people go to the Mass wow. Palomas Carnival, which is great. I've been to pride in Sieges before. Uh, where else have I been to pride? Uh, pride in London, which is massive. Manchester pride, mm. again, is massive. And it's that acceptance. It's nice seeing the same thing happen across the world. I've been to London. I don't think I've been to pride abroad at all, actually. I've been to pride in London. That's as, uh, as far as I've gone with it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was just a massive. I mean, it, you know, the the ones that we have in Scotland are brilliant, uh, but it's just there's more people. You know, you can multiply it by about ten with the, the people that are at London, in London prides, and it's just crazy, crazy weekend. I mean, you go somewhere like CG's Pride or Grand Canaria Pride. It's nice to go to Pride and get a suntan. <laughs> well, you mean you're out during the day? Normally, in my dungarees, so I can oh, get tans. Oh, 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 oh. Pride, Scotland's march for equality. So you, you've been you've been to more prides than I have, Grant. Have you noticed a, a difference in them over the years? Yeah, they're bigger. That's the one thing I would say. More people go now. It's more accepting. And there's more, I would say, more families go and more allies. So, mm. yeah, there's more people go. But of those people, maybe not all of them are part of the LGBT community. More of them are just allies as well. I think that, that must reflect the, the difference in acceptance in everyday life as well, because I know that uh, the LGBT community is, is more more accepted. We're not 100% there yet, but more accepted than, than in previous times. And um, I guess there's more awareness as well. Now, Mickey, you won't know this because you've never been to a Glasgow Pride. No. But George Bowie has played Pride in Glasgow and actually headlined for the last few years now. Uh, here's what he thinks about the festival. The atmosphere is just electric because it's much more of a, a kind of carnival atmosphere. Right. You know what I mean? It's like different festivals have got different atmospheres. And most festivals in, in Scotland certainly are incredible. I played some down south and people, you get bands and DJs that come to Scotland and say they're the best crowd ever. And I, I, I kind of agree with that because you do the festivals down south and they're nowhere near as good as up here. And we just go for it. But Pride in particular, there's something about Pride. It's, it's a really relaxed atmosphere. You know what I mean? Most of my gigs, everyone's screaming, <laughs> whereas Pride, it was more a lot of families and what have you. And just, it was a, a, a really carnival atmosphere, I would say. More, more kind of laid back atmosphere, but still everybody going for it. Do you think because everyone is just being themselves and there's, yes. yeah. 100%. Nobody's not trying to be something better, trying to show off or anything like that. Everyone's just doing what they do and just having fun. And there's no atmosphere like it. It's, it's a unique festival for that. It's amazing. It's always one of my favourite dates of the year. And the very first one I did, it was you and me, and I went down and you were introducing me. Oh, yeah. And I was on last. And you were like, oh, you need to wait. Um, PC Plum wants to go up and sing a song. So the Bulgin comes out, PC Plum comes out, and uh, I'm setting all my stuff up and I'm waiting. And out he goes, and he sang uh, a song, and I'm telling you, from... What was that? I'm, I'm thinking Golden Girls, but it's not Golden Girls. And he sang it really well. And I am telling you, giving it love. And the whole place is like, wow. And you're like that to me. What's his name? And I was like, I don't know. So grand's like, ladies and gentlemen, PC Plum. <laughs> I now know it's Andrew Agnew because I don't know him quite well after that. After that. He always refers to me as the guy that called him PC Plum. But that's, that's everybody that's knows him from. He's that's, from Balamori. There he goes. 
That's all. That's where you remember him from. But he was great. Some chanter, and then I went on, and I was like really nervous before the gig, but I was buckled at that so much so that it just completely relaxed me. We went, and it was great. Do you remember the time they had a curfew of uh, it was quarter to ten? It was a weird curfew. It was at quarter to ten. You had to be off by. Yes. And uh, everybody was shouting at my, my you know, shouting you, like, George, one more tune, make it a fast one. <laughs> it's like, they're all pretty fast, <laughs> they're all pretty banging. But I, I, every year, it just seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And even that ill-fated Kelvin Grove year, that was that was still a great gig, man. It was a really hot summer's day, and I know it was a nightmare getting in and out, but it was amazing. That's one of the best gigs I've ever been at. Because yes. they, um, they had the stage set up in a wee bottleneck, so you had everyone there anyway. And the people in front of the stage were just going for it at two o'clock in the afternoon. There was just people dancing about and having yeah. the time of their life. It's like one of the best festivals. It was great. So here's to next year. Oh, I still can't believe you brought that PC Plum story up. Do you know I actually know Andrew Agnew now and he's going to hear this? He's raging at me. <laughs> I switched on the Christmas lights in Glen Rothers with PC Plum one year as well. Andrew Agnew, we can't call him please PC Plum. He's such a lovely guy. Now, hopefully the, the Pride marches will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so I mean, I'm getting to an age now where I don't know if I can handle the three-day partying anymore. So I think, hey, a three-day weekend's enough. That's what we should do. Old pride. Yes. To get so some of the old boys and girls out. Well, from nine in the morning to 11 in the morning. It'll be coffee morning. <laughs> so seriously, if you've been affected by any of the topics we've discussed in this podcast, please visit scottpridepodcast.co.uk for the help and advice you need. Pride. Scotland's March for Equality. Now, can I do this in the big butch voiceover thing? Okay, go for it. Right. Next time, uh, we've got Jordan from the charity Time. Now, they do some brilliant work. That's a time for inclusive education. And we'll be talking to him about Scotland being the first country in the world to add LGBT plus history into the schools. I think that deserves a clap. Woo! Go us! And also, we are discussing tribes in the gay community. Find out why I'm a twink. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to put me as. I guess we'll find out next time. It gives me, it gives me some time to come up with that. Pride, Scotland's March for Equality is brought to you by PinkSaltire.com. Now, Mickey, Pink Saltire are Scotland's leading charity, providing hardship relief and responding to the needs of LGBT people at a time of crisis and building back better. Doing a brilliant job as well, and you can learn more about them and get involved in making change happen by heading to their website. It's pinksaltire.com.